Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. Another amazing guest for you. Another one in the series of Let's learn about some very interesting professions. This one, back in the arts world, back in the, the dance world, uh, we've talked to ballet dancers, Irish dancers, all those type of areas in, in the art world. This time we're going to talk to someone who is uh, a, a, a dancer as well. Uh, I guess what she has been known for is two things. One being she is on an NBA dance team. So, you know, before... Before the basketball games, meeting fans, during halftime, dance routines, all those type of things. So really interesting to see how she went from, you know, small town to moving to New York City, living out that New York dream of, of uh, you know, being discovered kind of as a dancer. Uh, that dream took a little while. We're going to talk about that. You know, four years it took her to, to kind of get to where she wanted to be, and that was with the Brooklyn Etts, and uh, I struggled with that a few times in saying that Brooklyn Etts, which is the Brooklyn Nets NBA dance team. Um, we're going to learn about what it takes to be a uh, an NBA dance team member, the crazy um, you know audition process, the rehearsals, the fun parts of the job, the not so fun parts of the job. She's now a captain on the team. What that looks like. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the, the, new, uh, the new passion she has, still in dance, uh, it developed during COVID when she was in lockdown, uh, but she's uh, gotten quite a following on TikTok as well, kind of on a bunch of themed dances from movies and from um, Broadway plays, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about how she went from... Uh, the beginning of COVID and having zero followers and not really having a TikTok to having you know, over 900,000 followers um, at the time of this interview. I haven't looked at what the TikTok is now. It may be, it may be more, more than that now, but uh, she definitely developed a following and developed one very quickly. So we're going to talk about what that, uh, what that was and that, uh, that took some interesting things too, getting up at 6 a.m. for for good lighting. Uh, this is just a fun story from from someone who chased their dreams, even though that meant you know living in a a, a house with uh, I said a house. I guess it would be an apartment in New York City with a, a bunch of other people sharing a bed in different ships with another uh, another dancer. Um, uh, it was just a, an awesome awesome story of somebody who deserves. Um, you know everything that they're getting now. Uh, she definitely has a, a passion for for dance and just an amazing person. So I really really enjoyed speaking um, to Melissa Beecraft. That's uh, that's who we're going to speak to today. So without further ado, here is my interview with Melissa Beecraft. I'm here today with Melissa Beecraft. Melissa, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna get into quite a few really cool things when it comes to kind of dancing and just just your life in general. But before that, mm -hmm. I kind of want to want to go back and just kind of tell us who Melissa is. 
you know, just as, I guess as much as you want outside of that dancing world, growing up, finding yourself, all that fun stuff. Cool. All right. So yeah. And, and I'll kind of tie this into my dancing too, but um, I grew up in South Carolina, uh, a city called Greenville. It's in the upstate. And to me, it was a really small town now for some reason. Uh, I meet people in New York and they're like, oh yeah, that place called Greenville. I know that place. Um, I grew up there. I love that place. And I, I did sports my whole life. Uh, I did soccer. I did swimming. And it was my whole, literally sports was my whole entire life. And I decided when I was around 12, which is like a weird age to switch a sport that you're taking seriously, that I wanted to do something different. And that's when dancing, I started dancing. I loved music and it was an athletic challenge. And it was a challenge for me to not not catch up, but catch up in a sense that I was joining girls who had been dancing since they were three. And after I took my first class, honestly, I took my first class and I was like, this is this is what I want to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up, I, I danced on a competition team in South Carolina and I was just training there for a while. And when I turned 18, it was either I was going to go to school or I was going to try to dance. And I said, let me just go try to dance. And off of some miracle, my parents let me go to New York City when I was 18 years old. And I, I, I think back to that, that was eight years ago now, which is crazy. I think back to that and I'm like, I don't know what possessed me to want to do that because it's kind of a crazy place to go and a crazy thing to do. But um, yeah, that's kind of like where I came from and just off of a whim and a dream, I decided, yeah, let me just go try to do this. No, that's, that's really cool. And I want to, I want to talk more about kind of that, that move and, and doing, you know, deciding to move to New York city. But before that, I've talked to a lot of different people in dance when it comes to professional ballet dancers, Irish mm-hmm. dancers, all kinds of stuff. So you say that you went into dance, what exactly kind of niche into dance did you do? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. This is a good question. Um, so when I first started dancing, I, I took jazz, I took ballet and I took hip hop. Ballet is, is the hardest thing to come into late in the game, of course. Uh, but it's, it's a foundation for, I feel every dancer should take ballet just so that they have the knowledge and they have the vocabulary of, of dancing. But yeah, I, I started doing jazz and hip hop were like my main things. And then ballet was to help me train technically to get me to the level that um, some of the other dancers I was with were at. Um, and I would say that jazz is the thing that I really honed in on. I, I, that was my favorite. I stuck with it. And that re- that style really inspired me to keep going. But yeah, when I started, I did two technical styles and one more foundational style. What I mean, what style do you think that you're you're doing now? I've kind of watched your videos. We're going to get into all of that. But <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know exactly that. I, I mean, I don't know enough about dance to really know, oh, this is the style totally. that she's kind of working with now. So what I'll say is... In New York, you they kind of expect you to do everything, right? Mm. And, and what I do is considered sort of commercial dance. And um, that, that doesn't go along with the, the NBA is one thing. And then like what I do outside of the NBA is a totally different thing. But for my page, I do a lot of jazz, musical theater, really fun, upbeat sort of jazz, musical theater. And then for commercial dance, I do a ton of hip hop and street styles. And for the NBA, it's hip hop and street styles. And so basically I have to be prepared, especially a place like New York and for any sort of job that I would maybe get for like TV or commercials or a music video that they could ask me to do sort of any type of dancing and I'd be able to do it. So I I like to say that I'm a very versatile dancer because I just have to be, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I would say I do mostly hip hop, jazz and 
theater. So let's talk about that move to New York City. You said you don't know what possessed you and you don't know what possessed your parents to let you do it. Like mm-hmm. what? I mean, was it just some passion? You're like, I have to do this. A lot of times I feel like if you put too much thought into things, then a lot of people don't do things that you know, are going to help them in the future. So talk a little bit about that move, how scary mm-hmm. it was, or maybe you just weren't scared at all. You just were running on adrenaline, but kind of talk a little bit about that. Uh, maybe that first couple of weeks in New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I honestly thinking back to it, like I said, I'm like, I don't I don't know how I was brave enough to do it because I'm actually sort of in New York. It feels more scary now than it did to me then. But I think mm-hmm. at the time I was just so young and so excited and I didn't realize it, the hardest part, honestly, was w- when my parents like dropped me and then they they were with me for a few days and then they left me and I was like, oh, OK, this is real. But yeah, honestly, I was just so excited. I, and I thought this is, this is another thing I'll get into. Like, I really thought I was going to go to New York and I was going to go to auditions and I was going to book these auditions. And then it was just all going to be like so exciting and fun and easy. And it was not like that at all. And the industry is actually really, really difficult and challenging, especially for a young dancer who, you know, is kind of learning the ropes and hasn't been around for, for any time at all. Yeah. So it, it was, (laughs) I I had so much fun in New York, but it was more an appearance of fun and following my dreams than it was actually doing those things for a while. I actually went from when I was 18, around four and a half years, only booking one actual like real dance job. And um, I was about to leave the city, like give up. I almost gave up a bunch, a bunch of times, but I didn't. And then the time that I was like really about to give up and move home, I, within two weeks of each other, I made the Brooklyn Nets dance team and I got scouted by a talent agent at that audition and then signed with the talent agent. And then I was like, okay, this is a sign. Maybe I should stay in New York a little bit longer. Um, But yeah, the move to New York was, it was a rough thing because I just had so many false expectations. I've been a dreamer my whole life. So I think I had this picture in my head of New York is like, a lot of people do this too. And I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard this before, but you're like, wow, city of dreams. And it's like amazing. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, book the show in my dreams and and that's going to be it. Like I wanted to be a rocket so bad that still hasn't happened for me. You know what I mean? But sometimes you different paths lead you down different ways that are meant to be. And um, I'm a really big believer that like what's meant for you will find you. And if you're willing to work hard enough for it. And then the next making the NBA was a huge turning point for me. And I worked for four years and this wasn't working. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, it's good. Like you worked hard and here's this for you. And if you stick around, there's, there's more in store. So. Well, I do hear that, you know, a, a lot where right before someone's going to give up, they get something. So I feel like the world mm-hmm. just like, and we're going to callous you a little bit, show you that it's not going to be very easy. And then right before you give up, we'll give you something, which is kind of a, a cruel yeah cruel thing but at least it happens right yeah it's a it's perseverance is key yeah Yeah, for sure so what were you doing for those four years Uh, you said you you had booked one Uh uh, one gig what what, i mean everyone has that you know that that side job yeah all right so my side job was i started working in fitness which which was awesome when i wasn't finding work in dance i was getting a lot of opportunity in fitness because dancers are really good at fitness because they know how to count music they know how to stay on beat they know how to cue you know what i mean they have the rhythm wow. um i was getting a lot of opportunity there where i was like desperate for opportunity basically because i was not getting validation from my dancing which is like i just wanted validation and fitness was an awesome route for me and i learned so many skills with that 
So I got my personal training certification. And then I also was teaching group fitness classes, which I'm just really thankful for that time. Although it was like kind of rough. There was a period of time where I was living with two other dancers in an apartment in Times Square and I was working fitness in Jersey City. Okay. And don't ask me why I did this, but I would living in Times Square so I could dance like at Broadway Dance Center and the places around there. And I would wake up at 3.30 a.m., walk through Times Square to 34th Street to get on the PATH train to go to New Jersey Mm. and then teach like 5.30, 6 a.m. dance classes there and then go back to Times Square. It's like the opposite of what usually people live in New Jersey and then commute to New York. But I was doing the opposite, just trying to make it work. But um, really thankful for that time. But I was working in fitness and, and I started actually doing social media for the business that I was working for, uh, which was, uh, which was a good source of income too. But yeah, that's basically what I did. And, and then I went really, really far down like a fitness route. And then I realized that I was only doing fitness and I wasn't dancing anymore. And so I like kind of wanted to pivot, which is then where the nets came in. So, but yeah, yeah so. that is surprising. I think the other reason people do it the other way is you probably save a thousand bucks a month on rent yeah you stay, so yeah i don't know you just were you were just hurting yourself your your pocketbook and your sleep schedule that way yeah and it was because i said i was living with other dancers which is kind of how you make it work because it's very right. expensive to live right. in new york i've lived in so many different apartments with like different roommates but the roommate i have she's actually my best friend now but we were sharing a bed and her schedule was the opposite <laughs> her schedule was the opposite of mine. And so she would get in super, super late. And then I would be like, Oh, I'm leaving. And she'd be like, Oh, I'm going to bed. And then it was like, that made it easier. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But it was like, like, it was a really funny thing because it's like the things dancers do to make it work here. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. The sharing the bed thing is maybe a new (laughs) thing to me. You're like, you, did you eat chips in the bed last night? You love chips (laughs) in the bed. No, no. It, I mean, I think whenever I tell people that they're like, what the heck? But it was, it wasn't a weird thing for us. We hadn't known each other for a while, but I think back to that. I'm like, yeah, that was kind of strange, but we made it work. Yeah. That's not, I, I was, I was waiting when, when, you know, young dancers start in New York city, I was waiting for the, you know, I, I moved into a one bedroom apartment. There was six of us. I mean, that's, I hear that a lot. So it sounds like you had it easy. Yeah. You just had to share a bed with one person lucky. Right. <laughs> Exactly. But I want to kind of talk about the, you know, the Brooklyn Nets. It it came about kind of right when you needed it to talk a little bit about what the, I guess, the experience of trying out for a team like that is. Okay. okay, This is a fun question. So these, these auditions are crazy because, um, well, a dance team, what I'll say about this is what it's what made me stay in New York because it is a year round steady job for a dancer, which is a really hard thing to find because you can book a contract in the city. That's like four months or, you know, if you're lucky 12 months, but usually when you book a big job, you're like, Oh, it's amazing. And I have to shoot the job next week and then it's over. And then you're back to, all right, what's my next job? And I've got to go audition. So it's a very sought after thing because it is a steady job. You're dancing all the time and you're performing all the time. So auditioning for this, we get hundreds and hundreds of girls to show up. And when, when I went for my first audition, I was like, there's no way I'm making the team, but I'm just here. And in my mind, this is how, what a lot of dancers say. An audition is free class, right? Because otherwise you have to pay to go take class. Mm. So it's free class. And if you get cut, that's okay. At least you got to take class. But anyways, 
the audition is four days long because they have to make sure that not only are you a good dancer, but you're good to work with because they're going to work with you for a whole entire year. And you're also a good brand ambassador for the NBA because we have to do a lot of interviews and stuff, stuff like that, talking about games, what we do, etc. cetera. Um, so the first day is like anyone can show up hundreds of girls. And then it's two rounds on the first day. This last year, I think we had over like 600 people show up. And there's 24 spots on the team. So the first day is normally a big round where they do a big cut. And then we do a choreography round. And then they get their semifinalists. And then the second day, they do another round with those semifinalists. And then they do another cut. And then the third and fourth day, usually they just keep those people. Usually it's a group of like 35, 45 people that they do interviews and like just final things that they want to see from people. And then they announce the team on the fourth day. Do they give you dance routine beforehand that learn this or they just throw you in it? Like, here's what you got to do and go, or how does that work? No. So you, you learn it on the spot, which is, yes, which is a part (laughs) of the industry. Of course, that's a part of auditioning, but, and it's also a test to how fast can you pick up choreography because it's a part of the job as well. No, you come in and you know, nothing. You come in, you know nothing, and you learn all the material that you need there, and then they kind of see how you go with the team. Yeah, that's – I feel like I've seen a million sitcoms where, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three, go in, go. And everybody's like, what in the world is going on? I'm sure that happens, but, I mean, that's that's insane. A lot of those things are exaggerations, but it – it's not as exaggerated as you think because that it does happen like that. And they'll be like, all right, group one, go on the floor. And you're like, I don't even know the moves. But the, the thing I'll say about an NBA audition is you, you'll learn a lot, especially if you make it to the end. But it is a sort of heartbreaking thing to make it to the end of a four-day process where you think you, you have a chance to get this job and you don't get it. Whereas a lot of other auditions are just a few hours of your time. And then if you get cut, then you're like, all right, it just wasn't for me. But four days is, is a big commitment. So, you know, anyone who goes through it, I kudos because it's really hard and mentally exhausting as well, because, you know, you're, you're trying to hang in, you're trying to prove that you're a good fit for this job. And, you know, at the end of the day, only 24 girls get the opportunity. So yeah, well, we're not talking about your your first time and how it went bad. So you must have made it your first your first shot. I did make it my first. I was one of I'm one of the lucky people who made it my yeah. first try. Um, but a lot of my teammates made it on their fourth try. Mm. I think I think one of my teammates made it their fifth try. So mm. that's a, that's a testament to you know um, just perseverance is key for real. Yeah, I always like to kind of break things down for for people who don't you know, maybe know what an NBA dance team is. Tell us a little bit about exactly what that even, what that even means to be on an NBA dance team. Cool. All right. Well, first of all, it's the funnest job ever. (laughs) And and (laughs) it's been really fun for me just because we get to perform all the time, but especially being here in New York, basically what we do is we have a team of this year, 24 girls, and we perform at every home game uh, for the team I'm on, which is the Brooklyn Nets, but and every team performs at their home arena. We perform at Barclays Center. So what we basically do is we have two to three rehearsals a week where we're prepping routines, setting routines for certain games, learning halftime shows, basically all the behind the scenes. We work in studios around the city. And then on game day, there's 16 girls on the game. So that means that we have eight alternatives. People get sick or injured and it basically rotates within those girls. 
So the 16 girls on the game, we go to the arena. We rehearse before the game. We have routines we do in the game. We do an opening routine for the game. And then we perform at the game. And we do stuff like T-shirt tosses, too. That's extra. And that's what everybody loves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so basically we perform at every home game. And we get – and then we also do things like – uh, there's a season ticket holder party this weekend that we'll be at just like to meet fans and, and do things like that. But yeah, basically it's a, it's a year round dancing job where you're rehearsing all the time and you're performing all the time and you get to do it at a big stage for the NBA because we have 18,000 people go to Barclay center for the games. So yeah. it's a big audience for sure. Yeah. I know yeah. I'm here in Indiana. I know our team is called the pace mates. Uh, yeah. What is, what is, <laughs> What is the, uh, you, you put it in an email. I feel like I had trouble thinking, how would I even pronounce that? What are you guys, the Netettes or something like that? Oh, we're the Brooklynettes. You're just the Brook, what is it? Brooklynettes. Oh, so Brooklynettes. Brooklyn yes. You're uh-huh. saying, you keep saying Brooklynettes. I think you're just saying Brooklynettes. You're saying Brooklynettes. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard because you think, oh, she's just saying Brooklynettes. But yeah. it's Brooklyn, E-T-T-E-S, Brooklynettes. Brooklynettes. All right. All right. Okay. So that, that makes sense. So. What was it like, you know, that first time? I'm sh- I'm, I mean, maybe maybe you did something else, snuck on the field of the Super Bowl or something, but what was it like <laughs> performing in front of 18,000 people? I'm sure that was your biggest audience when you first did it. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, so cool. It's so cool. And the, and the cool thing, too, is when you're on the center court, you're just the, – the cool thing about an NBA arena is you're surrounded 360 by people. So it's not just like you have people in front of you. It's they're surrounding you. It, 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 it's such a cool feeling. It's for the first, honestly, three seasons, I would get so nervous. Like every time I went out now, I'm very comfy because it's, it's my home base. I, I've been there for a while, but it's just such like a, it's like a good kind of nervous where it's like butterflies in your stomach where you're nervous and excited. But um, yeah, it's just so many people. And another cool, another cool thing I'll say too is, uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets are a really good team this year and we have a lot of famous people that come courtside and when we're dancing we can see like we make eye contact with all the courtside people but like Timothy Chalamet was at our last game he was like oh hey Timothy Chalamet like Jay-Z has courtside tickets this year so he's there a lot it's it's a really cool thing so not only are we performing for a big audience of like fans we're performing for famous people who you just never know who's watching you and it's a really cool opportunity absolutely I'm sure it's mm-hmm. been a foundation or a stepping stone to, to people in the past if they're wanting to go on and do other things too absolutely it is yeah yeah and i want to kind of ask you i guess obviously your passion was dance that's what got you into the you know the the brooklyn Ets, which i was not hearing correctly <laughs> the first time but uh that what's got you into that how do you like the other parts of it because obviously when you're you're dancing for a commercial that's what you got to do but with you know the brooklyn Ets, you now have to maybe before the game go out i know with the pacemates go out and pose for pictures mm-hmm. with fans or go mm-hmm. to go to you know john's 50th birthday party if they pay for it whatever that kind of stuff right. how do you like all this side stuff uh the side stuff is actually what makes the job extra special i think and, and being in new york we actually get to do really cool things like if they hire us for a promo a lot of times it'll be like we did we performed at tony robbins show like in new york which was cool or like i even got to do a this is an interesting thing one of our contacts at the nets was like oh we need two girls to do a uh, surprise dance thing for j-lo's new song dropping and literally got to dance like neck with j-lo like right in the room really cool um but even the simple things like we go out before games and autographs 
we have like posters and we autograph for the fans and for with COVID that's been gone for almost two years now and we just brought it back last month so like we're up on the main concourse before games again like meeting the mm-hmm. fans and it's a really cool thing because it, it's a special part of the job because we don't normally get to do that and it's it it's a really cool thing to meet and interact with them and they'll be like oh you guys are amazing you know I've been coming to games for years and it, it makes it feel more like like what you're doing means something so I, I think that the extra stuff is super fun and then also the extra special thing is having a team of 24 girls who are just amazing and understand you and understand why you do what you do because they also do the same thing um so all of the extra behind the scene things are really what makes the job the best that's really cool for sure i'm sure there's some crazy stories and crazy interactions you've had we won't even necessarily make you get into any of that but i think it the maybe the positive ones you can only imagine. I'm I'm sure that I, I feel like you know young people, male or female. But I, I'm kind of thinking of little girls kind of see you guys and see you on the concourse. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen that interaction where they almost think you guys are like princesses. So I feel like yeah. that's that's probably a cool cool thing when you get to get to maybe try to inspire that next generation. After that, that's like one of the whole points of what I do, and at this point in my life is just like. I want to show people and I want to show young, young girls, especially because I was in that position where I was like, I want to be a dancer. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. And I didn't really think I could pull it off, especially after I got to New York. And, you know, a lot of people were told me that it wasn't going to work and I should have a backup. And one of the biggest things is if somebody's inspired by what I do or what we do as a team, then that means more to me than like anything I could do because it's like, I've been a dreamer my whole life, but I just, I want people to dream because I'm a big advocate for doing what you love. Yeah. And I I may be wrong, but I'm going to give you maybe some, some credit that I think is due. I would assume that the Nets dancers, the Knicks dancers, Lakers, those type of things are probably Mm -hmm. some of the hardest ones to get into because there is so many other opportunities in that area. You know, that dancing there is going to get you seen, you know, in New York rather than, Indiana, of course, dancing is, is awesome here, but you're not going to go, you know, to a dancing audition afterwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So definitely L.A. and New York are the harder markets, but it's also they have a bigger budget for entertainment because they have to because professional performers live in those cities. Right. So they have to be able to hire those people because they if they can't pay them right and they can't treat them right, then they're not going to do the job because they're actually professional entertainers. Mm. Um, but the cool thing about the NBA is that I've always had it in my mind that um, although New York is an awesome market for it, if, if I were to move to Indiana, if I was to go to like Charlotte, then I could be a part of these dance teams. And it, it's cool that there's opportunities for dancers in any city. And that, I think that's one of the cool things about the NBA. Although I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but I know some of the teams actually require the girls to have a full-time job as well as being on the team. I'm not totally sure all those rules, but I just think it's a really, you're exactly right in saying like, you know, they they do that, but then they can't go to like a Broadway audition later that day at the same time. So um, it definitely is like a bigger, just a bigger market for it because it's a bigger city. I would say us, the Knicks, the Lakers, the 76ers, and actually like uh, Texas is a pretty big market too. Mm -hmm. They have, they have, um, the the Mavericks are awesome. I mean, that kind of, feeds into another question. So you don't have to, you don't have to have a full-time job while you're doing it. And then also do they, do they allow you to go out and explore other things? Obviously, if you get a Broadway show, then you're not going to be able to perform at the game. So is, do they let you do more than one or is it like you're, 
you're they a do. Brooklyn or what Brooklyn. I can't say it. Brook, <laughs> Brooklynette. Brooklynette. And, and when we dance, and I, I can send you a video later too. When we finish dancing our, our announcer, he goes, the Brooklynettes. That's how it is. Yeah, but yeah. so one of the cool things about our job and just our management in general is that they encourage us to go for stuff outside of the, the nets. And they, they understand that we're in New York, which like I just said, it's a big market for dancing. And one of their goals is that dancers come into the team and they leave better and more prepared for the industry and more professional, just tuned up in all sorts of ways. And so they encourage us if we have auditions, that's why we have 24 girls on the team, but there's 16 on each game because we have, we have to be able to work together and be like, Hey guys, I have an audition tomorrow. Is someone available to cover me? And we usually have each other's backs like that. But that's one of the things that I love most about the team is if I were to audition for the Rockets and make it, then they would be like, Melissa, go do it. That's amazing. And Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to come back, next season then you know we'll talk about it then but like just go do it and they we're, we're all really happy for each other when we get other opportunities um and i think that's another thing that makes the team so special i love that that's really cool mm-hmm. for sure tell us kind of maybe and this is a hard question i think but something that might surprise people about being on a professional dance team for the for the nba a surprising detail a surprising detail hmm. Um, A really cool thing that people maybe don't expect that we would get to do as an NBA dance team is I actually, if we don't go to away games, but if they do a special international trip, a lot of times they'll bring the entertainment with. So for the Nets, and this is something I'm so thankful for, I, I went to Barbados twice. I went to Cancun once and I went to China twice in 2019 to perform for the NBA which a lot of people would maybe never expect that, oh, the NBA dance team will get to do something like that. Um, Experiences that I'll never, ever take for granted in my life, especially now with everything that's happened. You know, I'm not sure if there'll be an opportunity to do that again soon. So, um, yeah. No, that's awesome for sure. Now, that's a tough question. This may be just a difficult question to want to answer, but what is maybe the the best parts of being on the team and then not the not so great parts because there's not everything's all, you know, oh, butter, totally. butterflies, but maybe it is. Heck, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Best parts. I would definitely say getting to perform all the time. Uh, being here in New York, we get to work with amazing choreographers because they're in town and they're around. So that's a really um, cool opportunity. That's unique to being here and probably also LA um, having a team of friends and supporters that are just always with you. Yeah. Just, being at the games, the NBA, the Nets games are really exciting. So we get to be a part of it. I would say the worst parts are it's, it's a very tiring job. And we, we, most of us do stuff outside of the Nets and during the season, especially it can get really exhausting. And we're, we're at the point now where actually a few girls are injured. So I would say that's, that's the hard part is it's a lot of wear and tear on your body. And sometimes it can get a little overwhelming, I I would say, and sometimes a little frustrating because it's just, it's just a lot of information. And sometimes we'll, this is, this is like a good part of it. And also a frustrating part about it. We'll be at rehearsal for a game the next day and they'll be like, oh, they just added a halftime show. And now we have to learn a four minute halftime show before rehearsal's over. And we can be like, ah, but we had a plan in our head of like how Mm -hmm. things were going to go. And we just have to be able to pivot and be so just roll with the punches. And so that's like a, an exciting, but also a sometimes frustrating part of the job. But I would just say that it's all in all such a, I'm just so thankful for the job, but the hardest part is the wear and tear on your body. Cause it's, it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. 
Yeah, well, I think another good part based on what you're saying is you no longer probably have to share a bed with that one chick anymore. No, (laughs) (laughs) I do not have to do that. I'm I'm in. Yeah, I'm just I'm really happy I don't have to do that. I feel like that's like a right of not not sharing a bed, perhaps, but sharing a apartment with a bunch of dancers is sort of a rite of passage in New York. (laughs) I feel like you're probably you're probably right there. Yeah. So I, I know I'm sure you guys are. I mean, you're preparing for your halftime show. You're preparing for all those things. How much of it is on a totally different track than the actual game? Like, do you ever walk away or people that aren't into sports ever walk away that night? Like, I don't, I'm not really sure who won. I mean, are you guys on a different path? Because I've, I mean, I've talked to people that are, you know, doing entertainment for a, you know, a sporting event. And they're like, you know, the sporting event was, you know, that was, that was background noise to us. We were focused on something else. Well, yeah, a lot of times we're focused on on what we're doing, but no, we always are keeping an eye on the score because, you know, if they keep playing, that means we keep working. Right. So we Uh, we want them, (laughs) we want them to win. We want them to go to playoffs because if they go to playoffs, that means that we have more games and the closer it gets to the championship then the more year round the job is because we audition in July. Uh So if we go all the way, then it's like, Oh, if we end in June, we have like maybe a week or two off and then we're right back to starting. So. Yeah. How long have you been on the team? This is my fifth season. Fifth season. And you talk about these auditions. Do you, I mean, as a person that's been on the team for five years, do you still go through that four day audition or is it a little bit easier or what? So everyone has to re-audition except for the three captains. And I am one of the three captains. So I don't have to audition. I actually help run the audition. I teach some things at the auditions, but every other girl. So we, we, and we moved the team too. We had 20 and now we have 24. So the 17 girls, there were some who didn't come back, who moved cities, things like that. Um, Anyone who wants to come out of those, come back of those remaining 17 girls has to re-audition. So they have to go through the four day process. Yes. So you're <laughs> one of the people that you're one of the one, two, three, and go. I, I am. I am blessed. I am blessed because it is not an easy audition. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool though. How, how long do you envision? Obviously you're going to be able to, to, to stay on the team as a captain. So how long do you think this is yeah. something you want to do? Or, or what is this, the longevity normally of, of something like this? Yeah, it's a, it's, that's actually an interesting question. So I would say when I made the team, they, they talked about, oh, usually like two to three seasons is the average that a girl will stay and then she'll move on to something else or, you know, book another job, things like that. Um, but now the team that I've been on, especially we went through COVID together. <laughs> um, I would say the average is more like four to five seasons. People stay before they leave with the um, girls that are currently on the team. I would say for me, it's, it's a job that kind of gave me a place when I didn't have one. And so I'm very loyal to it for that reason. And also it just feels homey and it feels like family. And I think I'll probably stay so long as I don't have um, another full-time opportunity that might would take away too much of my time. Yeah. I don't know, but, and, but I'll say this, I'm going to, I'm staying for now for, I, I don't know how long, but something I learned recently, everybody did, is you just never know what's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to stick around for now, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. For, for sure. So let's uh, let's kind of pivot to da- your dancing as a whole. I know you've kind of created a, a totally different dance persona when it comes to social media. And you you mm-hmm. that's kind of how I found you. I, I feel like on Instagram, you kind of scroll through different videos and I saw you doing all these interesting dance routines that are outside of the the oh man i Br- brooklyn at yes 
you, that you're probably getting annoyed by. Why can't he just say Brooklyn Nets? Jeez, Louise. No, no, it's, it's confusing because it's like blending two words, but also yeah. a new word. So I get yeah. it. <laughs> so outside the Brooklyn Nets, you're, I mean, you've got videos where you're, you're dressed up as, you know, princesses, you know, fifties mm-hmm. costumes, all kinds of cool stuff. So talk about what, uh, what got you into to doing some of that social media dance. All right. So this is a good story. All right. I'm ready. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm buckled down. March 2020, which is when everything went down. And I had just signed with Wilhelmina Models, which was like a dream of mine forever. I went to my first casting for them and I booked like a huge campaign in, in Uruguay. Okay. And I was like, this is like amazing. My life is turning around. Like my career is going places. And then it was like, oh, that trip's canceled. Well, actually the NBA suspended and we don't know for how long. Okay. And actually you don't have any work. And I was like, okay, cool. Anyways, I'm married. I maybe should mention that earlier. Me and my husband, his job went on like a one week on one week off sort of thing. And his first week was off and we were like, let's go to South Carolina just in case things are looking kind of sketchy here in New York. Mm-hmm. Let's get out of New York and we'll just spend a week with family and kind of see what happens. And then when we flew down, they were like, oh, someone in the office has COVID. We're shutting everything down. So basically we're staying with family and I have no work. And TikTok was like kind of, a, it was a thing, but you know, it's, it's kind of the thing that before the pandemic, people were like, oh, TikTok is just the thing that, you know, kids use and whatever. I was like, let me just download TikTok and I'm bored and I don't have any work and I need a creative outlet because as a performer, I didn't have, I didn't have an outlet for that. And so I was like, let me just start making videos. And, and so for like a month I was making random videos. And then after that I had gotten like a a few, cause I started with zero on TikTok. Like, and nobody that I, it's not like Instagram where everyone, you know, follows you. It's like TikTok. I didn't know anybody on that app. And I honestly still don't like I it's, it's an app where you meet strangers sort of, which is like a weird thing to say. Anyways, I started in April making videos where I was like, I'm going to be really serious about this. I'm going to post three videos a day and I'm just going to see what happens. And what I was doing is this is, you're going to think I'm crazy. I didn't have a job. (laughs) Okay. I would pick out and I didn't have clothes either. Like I flew with one suitcase down to South Carolina, but I have one of my sisters in my hometown. I was borrowing clothes from her, putting together costumes. And I would plan three videos at night, pick the music, choreograph, come up with a choreography. And I would wake up at six 30 and I would do, put my makeup on and I would go out on the driveway at my in-laws house and film at like, at like six 45, seven to like, usually around 8. AM I would be like done filming. And I would be like, these are my three videos that I made for today. And I'm going to post those three videos today. And I did that for like ever. I was like a machine making videos. Okay. And then like a month later, it took me a month to get my first viral video. And that's when like things, everything like changed. And my first viral video was dancing in the rain. I did a flash dance, uh, maniac in the rain. And that was my first, it got a million views in a day. And it, it, it really that I think back to making that video and I was like, oh, like, that's cool. But when I posted it, I didn't realize it was going to change my life. And what was cool is when it hit a million views, my, my father-in-law, he was like, Melissa, how many Barclays arenas is 1 million people? Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, like that blew my mind. Like I never had an audience that big in my whole entire life. So anyways, after that, I was like, all right, I'm going to keep going with this. I'm going to keep going with this. And I went from, I had 7,000 TikTok followers at that time. And the next day after that rain dance, I had 30,000 followers. 
which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, all right, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to keep making videos. Let's just see what happens. And of course, my followers love themes. They love movies, which is why I do so many things with certain costumes. And I'll dance like retro from the 50s. People love Disney stuff. So I, I try to keep it really creative and fun. Um, and obviously, my contest sort of evolved from it started as driveway dancing. And now I'm like back in New York. So <laughs> it's, it's evolved in that way. But yeah, social media totally changed my life. And from there, I just kept growing. So I went from zero to 900,000 in less than a year on TikTok, which is like, it's insane. And then on Instagram, uh, with the release of reels, I had a few viral reels as well that um, got me to, to where I'm at with Instagram. But what I would say too, is for me, as someone who went through a dance career like mine, where, you know, I would book stuff, but it wasn't all that like lucrative outside of the, the NBA. Now I'm doing things that when, when I was 18, I thought I was going to do everything then. And now I'm just starting to do things that I always thought that I was going to do and always wanted to do. And that's a good reminder that I, I try to keep with myself, but also encourage other people. You don't have to do everything when you're like right out of high school, right out of college. Like you have time to figure it out and everyone's timeline is different and there's a stage for everybody if you can find it but my my social media I see it as a gift I'm like oh, I've been given this gift so I'm like trying to use it for good and it's a totally new thing to me but my my main goal with it at this point is to inspire people to follow their dreams and triumph over failure because if like they can do it they can do it Absolutely. And I want to kind of break down quite a few things that you that you said in there. I, mm-hmm. I, hope, I hope I can remember them, but I want yeah. to, uh, <laughs> the first thing that stuck out is why did you have to get up so early and film all of these? If you weren't, <laughs> if you weren't working, why didn't you just do it throughout the day? Why did you have to do it all in the mm-hmm. crack of dawn? Okay. I'll talk about this too. One, because I'm crazy. Okay. okay. And two, <laughs> two, and I was like, I was just like thinking like, oh, machine, machine. What? Okay. Main reason lighting. Because it was either basically, and, and a lot of the filming I was doing was when it was like pretty hot outside because South Carolina gets, gets pretty warm. So it was cooler in the morning. The lighting was better in the morning. So once direct sunlight hits, it's like hard to find a place where there's not like a lot of shadows and stuff. So lighting, uh, weather, and also no spectators okay. <laughs> because I was in a neighborhood where, you know, and I, and there was like some people that basically became like a part of our routine. They would be like on their morning walk and they'd be like, Oh, there's the crazy girl in her, um, like cat's costume that on the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> and I have actually so many blooper videos that I should, it, it's a lot of work because I just have so many videos, but I should put together a blooper reel of all like the neighbors that show up and we're like, Oh, hi. In the background or like driving by and like saying you hi. Should. But so I should do that. But basically it was for privacy because I was outside mm-hmm. <laughs> um, lighting and weather. And also because when I finished that earlier, I was like, I'm done. I did it for the day. And then now I can, you know, do whatever else I need to do. <laughs> yeah. But then your, your mind spinning for the next day, you're probably trying to figure out that next routine all day long, right? Exactly. Exactly. It became a thing too, where I I posted every single day for like seven months straight. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I need to chill because, (laughs) because my life cannot continue on like this. But, um, I was a machine. I was very determined. I was very determined. Sounds like it. How did, did you involve your, your family? Did they have to get up and film you or did you have, you know, just a a tripod or what was happening there? 
So at first I used like a step ladder I found in my in-laws um, garage, right. but for my, for my birthday, which is right around where I got my first viral video, my sister who, who lives in my hometown, she's the best. She got me a phone tripod. Oh, that's nice. So for a while, it was just me with my phone tripod out in the driveway. And that's like what I was doing. But over time, I started doing more stuff with my sister. She's she's actually a videographer, photographer, um, started doing more stuff with her. And now in New York, I, I don't really go and film places by myself. I usually have somebody with me. So yeah, but at first it was just me and my little trusty tripod on the driveway at six in the morning. <laughs> Well, I like it. That's that's better than waking, you know, your your in-laws up or your husband to be in his fuzzy slippers trying to record mm-hmm. you. Uh. And, and also it was a thing, too. If, if I was up early, then I could avoid the embarrassment of walking through my in-laws kitchen and literally like, I mean, you've probably seen some of my older videos. I literally I did like a Broadway series where I was like. I did the Phantom of the Opera where I was like a mask in a cave and like the, the cat's one was where I was like, please no neighbors better show up because I literally had like cat ears and a tail out in the driveway at like 7.45. I can, I can just, I, I'm just envisioning like them not being early risers, having to get up to go to the bathroom, sleepily walking through the kitchen yes. and you're walking through in a cat costume. No, exactly. I mean, it, it, it was a thing too, where I just had to be like, okay, zone out, whatever. But there, there were definitely people like, like it was a cul-de-sac there's definitely windows that they could totally see me and sometimes I would be like hi like I see you in the window and I recognize you're there and I know you're probably watching me do this but just and and it it was funny too because um like I said there were some people who would go on walks and they'd be like oh whatever um but one of the neighbors eventually stopped and she was like so what is this like what are are you doing what are you working on And, and luckily I was with my my sister that day um so I wasn't like Ah, just alone but I was like oh I'm just a dancer you know I'm just making videos and she was like oh cool but she I I could tell Walk she had back been, like, to ask that question for a yeah. long time yeah yeah I, I can only imagine I'm sure you were the talk of of several lunch or, or breakfast tables now I wonder what that girl's doing over there yeah <laughs> so tell us uh, just briefly because I always like to kind of hear I guess pairings you're this creative person doing all this awesome stuff what is your what does your husband do? Is he like a an accountant or something? <laughs> yeah, so he's not an accountant. Uh, he works in advertising. He does mm. strategy for. Well, that's um, creative too. Yeah, it is. It is, and it's it's honestly kind of helpful because now that I'm doing social media, I'm working more with brands. He's actually really helpful in giving me ideas and like piv- like honing in on like oh this will work, this won't work. Oh, but yeah, so he works in strategy for advertising. That's awesome. he's good at it too. Yeah. Did you guys meet in New York City or was it something before then? We actually met in high school. Oh, in high school. Yeah. We've been together since we were 17 years old. So did, was he a part of this whole New York City move? You talked about having to share a bed. I don't know if all three of you are sharing a bed. That, <laughs> no, that changes no. the dynamic <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> he went to college in Philadelphia. He went to Wharton at UPenn. Oh, and cool. so he was in Philly and I was in New York. And basically when we um, graduated high school, we were kind of like, all right, so we'll get married, but you go do your thing and I'll do mine. So like, see you in four years when we get married. And that's exactly what we did. Um, but one of the cool things is that he's been with me my whole dance career and he supported me my whole dance career. And he supported me when I was like doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, and he, he never told me to stop. And like, you know, I, I think back when I was like, you know, I booked one dance job in four years and he was so proud of me. 
even just for that. So it's mm-hmm. cool now that I'm like doing really cool stuff and mm-hmm. he has the opportunity to come with me. Like um, I did a promote uh, promo for a Broadway show last night and uh, he gets to come with me and be my plus one. And he does have to help me film the content, yeah. Yeah. which was not originally probably in his expected um, job description as, as my husband, yeah. but it's really cool that um, he gets to kind of be my partner with, and come with me and, and do these cool things when he, he supported me when I wasn't doing much. And now that I'm doing some cool stuff, some stuff that I think is pretty cool. He gets to be a part of it. So now that's awesome. You need to, you need to keep him around. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, he, he didn't just go find, Oh, I'm going to marry a, a Brooklynette. No, he married you on, <laughs> in the beginning. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, so this, this is an interesting thing. I'll tie into sort of the beginning of our chat. When I was about to leave New York, it was in 2017 when he was about to graduate and we were engaged. Mm-hmm. And so I was, he was looking for jobs in New York and I was like, eh, don't look for jobs in New York because things aren't working out for me here. And I'm about to leave. And basically like right when I said that was when I made the team and I was like, okay, wait, look for jobs in New York. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll, we'll stick around here. So. No, I like that. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. I, I get, I guess, and you can talk as much about this as you feel comfortable with, but obviously you, for seven months, you were doing three videos, getting up the crack of dawn to do it. Mm-hmm. What, I, I, cause I'm not really sure with TikTok how that works. I know Instagram a little bit better, but I mean, what was your incentive to do that? I mean, can you monetize TikToks? So, yeah, I mean, this is an interesting thing. My my incentive at first was I'm a dancer and the more people who know who I am, the better for me because it's like, it, it's an aid for my career, right? Because if I go to an audition and they never heard of me, then I have to like show them what I can do, right? But maybe if they already know me and they've already seen me dance, then then, you know, they might just call me in instead. So that was kind of the thought process behind it is like this will aid my career you know if I can get followers but TikTok is not something that you can like directly monetize there's a creator fund that you get um paid per view but it's not really that much the where you can monetize social media is doing brand deals so that's that's like most of the stuff that I do is I'll work with like brands to promote like shoes and things because as a dancer you know people are always like where did you get that dress that you're dancing in and things like that so that's a really fun part of my job and it's you know I love picking out outfits for my videos and that's been a really cool part of it is that you know I don't just like go dance in my in my jeans and a t-shirt is I usually like try to put together something cool um so that's been a really cool way to also work with brands within my social media but yeah I guess kind of to wrap up the the dance thing I just wonder how did you come up with all of these ideas? You would do, you were cranking out three a day. I mean, you said that you did a, a Broadway series for a little while that obviously you mm-hmm. could just kind of go from show to show, but what made you, how'd you come up with the ideas? And then did you create all of this, just all the choreography yourself or how did that work? Yeah. So um, like I said, it was sort of a creative project for me at first. So what I, what I did too, is I would be making random themed videos. And then when I got that first viral one, I was like, okay, let me do movies for a little bit because flash dance was good. And then, so I did, I, I just took dancing scenes from movies and started doing them. And then I did a thing where um, the second thing that like kind of blew up on my page was I did a dancing through a decade series, which I'm like still kind of doing because my followers just love it where I did a dance for the fifties, a dance for the sixties, a dance for the seventies, eighties, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and then I was like, okay, these themes really work because if people see the fifties on their for you page, they're going to be curious. What's the sixties. And then if they see that, well, they're going to want to know what the next one is. So I was like, let me start with series. And so I did, um, genres of music. I did like rock country, pop, 
you know, all, all that. And then I did Broadway shows. I did iconic music videos, literally anything that I could come up with that was like, can I dance to it? And is it creative? And will it captivate an audience? And it was just like, basically me with a notebook writing down ideas. Yeah. And then in all the choreography, I did come up with myself, which is I now I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm a little out of gas. <laughs> because like I said, I was doing it for so long that I'm like, I'm out of moves. I use all my moves. So um, I, <laughs> I need a creative reset. How, uh, I mean, are you, is it, you said that you're kind of out of gas. Is it something you're still doing? Obviously it's hard to, I haven't really looked at the dates. There's so many, I don't really know if they're still coming out yeah. or not. So I am, my, like I said, my content has evolved because obviously I'm not, um, at my in-laws in South Carolina on the driveway anymore, <laughs> but, um, being in New York, I I have more opportunity for content because obviously working here and the industry is coming back to like the advertising industry and the dancing industry is coming back. But yeah, I'm still, I'm still coming up out with videos and what I'm working on currently, this is kind of a cool thing. So I said, I did series for TikTok. Now what I'm doing is basically theming months of content, which helps me kind of wrap my brain around what I'm going to create. Cause it's, it's almost harder when there's too many ideas and then you can't quite focus in on like, okay, what am I going to work on? So for February, I did all princess stuff, which is why you probably saw a lot of princess stuff. So things inspired by princesses, it didn't have to be a specific one, but basically just like really magical type stuff with a lot of beautiful music, like Disney music, things like that. And then this month for March, I'm doing time machine. So I'm just doing a lot of throwbacks to like retro styles and, and things like that. Um, and yeah, that, that really helps me it helps me get inspired. And then it also helps me organize my thoughts and my ideas and my content. So I'm coming out with new ideas all the time, <laughs> but it is, it is not like it used to be because I also have jobs outside of mm-hmm. my social media. So, but I am working on making social media, like my whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my goals this year is like work really hard and make this like your full-time stick. No, that'd be awesome. So how often are you putting out videos? Uh, hopefully not three a day. Hopefully I'm not seeing you at the no. end of your day. You've already been up <laughs> since 5.30 in the morning. No, um, I maybe should, I should, I need to post more on TikTok. That's the, um, you know, keep uh, myself accountable for that. But I, I post more, I, I would, my goal is to post every day, but a lot of times it doesn't really happen, but really just as often as possible, as often as I have stuff. Um, it's hard to keep myself to, I've been doing really good with, with the themes, but it's hard to keep myself to a really uh, rigid schedule with social media when I do have stuff like the nets. And, oh, yeah. and like I said, I'm a captain on the nets, which means I have more responsibilities. And um, so it's, I'm, I'm letting myself chill a little bit, um, yeah. but I do try to post as often as I can. Well, if you get anywhere close to every day, I think you're doing, you're doing the most for sure. Yeah. I was thinking you're going to be like, I try to post like once, once a week, once every couple of weeks, every day, even close to every day. I think you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah yeah so tell us how we can uh you know we can find these videos how we can connect with you kind of on social media as a whole cool so well my page is is my name so at melissa b craft and um i like i said my my followers are really important to me because if i can just inspire one person to like go after what they want to do even if it's not dancing then then I consider that a win. Um, so I would love, to, I love to connect with my followers, especially on Instagram. So yeah, if you want to come find me on Instagram, you can find lots of fun themed videos mm-hmm. and TikTok is the same, same username at Melissa B. Craft. And yep, I'll be dancing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, the last question I want to ask, if, if someone follows you five years from now, we're still following you. What do you hope 
the future holds. Obviously, we talked earlier about we have no clue really what's going to be happening. But what, what's what's your what's your plan? Ah, that's a that's a good ending question. So this is an interesting thing too because, like I said, the social media is new to me. So I feel like all of my plans and sort of dreams are are pivoting in new directions. Um, and I actually got someone commented on one of my videos recently and I didn't respond because I didn't know what to say, but they said like, I'm curious because you know, you're, you're on the dance team and you're like auditioning for other stuff, but what's like the end game for you? What's the goal for a dancer? Like, I don't really get it. And it's an interesting thing too, because I feel like there really isn't an end game for a dancer. You just like you work and you, maybe you have some dream jobs that you want to accomplish, but the idea is that you're dancing and you're working and you're like, going from job to job and you meet cool people and you're just dancing all the time, which is the goal, but there really isn't a super end game for me. And I think like five years in the future, it, it's hard for me to have a vision of where I'll be at, but hopefully, hopefully my, my page will have grown and I can have a big platform to just inspire a ton of people. That's, that's kind of where I hope to be. Um, and honestly, I, I don't have a super concrete answer for that because I'm just, at this point in my life, I'm rolling with the punches and I'm just trying to move forward and every step of the way, just try to make a positive impact where I can. Yeah, I think that's awesome. We'll have to follow along and, and see exactly what happens. It was a pleasure speaking yeah. with you. Yeah, same to you. So that was Melissa B. Craft. Awesome person. Really enjoyed speaking with her. I appreciate her time. In the interim between uh, that intro and the outro, checked her tiktok i actually don't have tiktok so i've got to i've got to have other people look it up that's the that's the one thing i guess i'm holding out on i guess in my my old age not getting a tiktok uh, but that's uh, that's my problem, not yours. Uh, but she's actually over a million followers now. So she uh, she gained a hundred thousand followers you know, on basically in the span of this interview is what it looks like. But uh, no, I I just went and checked it. Um, but just an amazing person. I I really enjoyed speaking with Melissa. I appreciated her time. Uh, do check her out on TikTok if uh, you're not a an old man hold out like me um follow on instagram i i do have that um but uh follow her there um i i think she's she's destined for for great things uh she's already done some amazing things and i, I think the uh the best is yet to come there um follow her everywhere she's mentioning they're going to be in the show notes follow us on instagram jacksnap.com not enough Oh, goodness, on Facebook, that, that Instagram is not in a podcast. Um, leave us a five-star uh, rating on Spotify and on Apple. Appreciate that. Write a written review on Apple. That would be amazing. Thanks so much if you decide to do that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really appreciate you being here. Again, thanks for, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you next time. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.